officially welcome to The Reset Show, episode four. Um, I'm joined today, as always, by uh, Belinda Ganaway from Fathom XP. And from People Lab, we've got Katie Austin and Emma Bridger. And I'm Justin McCarran from Everyday Resilience. Today's theme is inspired by the government's recent plea for us all to get back to work been the topic of discussion for most of us over the last couple of weeks. So as you know, we will be looking for your input today in terms of what does that mean? What does that actually mean for you, both from a personal perspective and from an organizational perspective? Um, before we dive in, uh, a brief refresh of what the Reset Show is all about. So the pandemic continues to play out and we are firmly into the adapt and renew phase. So we want to help you, all of us together, collectively figure out what happens now and how particularly to make sense of the huge volume of information that's out there. Obviously one thing is for sure that the disruption and chaos is going to continue uh, indefinitely. But what is clear, and this is what's inspired us to create the Reset Show, is that this is an extraordinary opportunity. This is a moment for us to seize an opportunity uh, to do things differently. And Belinda shared with me a lovely quote uh, from Les Back, who's a professor of sociology at Goldsmiths. I'm going to read this one out. This is lovely. So Les says, I do think we are at a tipping point. There is a reorientation a recalibration of the relationship between place and time and social life that we're on the cusp of. We may see profound changes. Some things may not come back. That feels true to us. and I'll be interested to hear from you, your thoughts on whether that resonates for you as well. So we want to make you involve you rather in making sense of this all so we're bringing together this extraordinary network of talented individuals and professionals and passionate people to make sense of what this all means um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hand over to emma to uh take you into the main content of today's show cool thanks justin um we all got that wrong by the way um, so, as Justin said, today is um, a conversation and a collaboration just to get us talking about this whole back to work, back to the office. It's really interesting, you know, the government kind of almost took a few back steps, didn't they? Sort of, right, we've got to get back to, the, back to work and back to the office. And then a few days later, they kind of, they retract a little bit. But I think, you know, I, I went out onto sort of social media and said to people, what's it mean to you? And straight away, I got people sort of saying, actually quite triggered by that because you know we've all been it's not back to work we've, we've all been working or most of us have been working through throughout um throughout the kind of uh, the you know the kind of lockdown period unless we we're furloughed so there's something in there and um you know there's a whole heap of stuff to read around this so what we thought is you know we can share as always some resources with you afterwards but we thought we we kind of you know again tap into the kind of um, you know, the, the collective kind of intelligence, creativity of our network. So, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And, and none of us know how this is going to play out. So let's spend some time thinking about what could this mean? What could it be like art of possibility? And there's a whole load of stuff going on here. So there's kind of issues around, you know, trust and presenteeism. There's well-being at work. You know, we know that some people have really thrived being at home and other people have, other people have hated it for a whole host of reasons. Um, 
we talk a lot about this idea of a blended approach. So, you know, this kind of almost like a sort of bell curve, if you like, of, you know, those people who may never work in an office again, those people who have to work in an office, and those people in the middle who might do a little bit more kind of dipping in and out of that. What does that look like? Um, Josh Bassin, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with, if not, we can, you know, share links to his stuff. He's an industry analyst, well-known around the world. He talks about this kind of this... Um, this big reset economy and this big reset playbook. And he's talking about things like, you know, how are we going to restructure work, new ways of working? You know, do we go to the work or does the work come to us? Some really interesting ideas then. And how do we use the, the very expensive asset of footprint of office space in a much more uh, smart way to help us thrive at work? And um, I was really kind of um, struck by um, a, a, a blog from uh, Bruce Daisley. So if you haven't come across him, again, we'll put it in the chat, Casey, put the chat for you. And he, he's got a great blog called, I think it's Work, Live, Eat, Repeat, or something I've got in the wrong way around, but he's fantastic, um, fantastic writer. And he talked um, a few weeks ago about the fact that he's had quite a few people coming to him and saying, yeah, I, I, I know what we're being told, that this whole world of work is changing and that we'll never go back to the way we were before. So already my boss is saying, right, back to work. I want you in the office five days a week. And that's certainly been, you know, I've seen sight of that because I've got, you know, a number of clients who are saying, right, September, we want you to do the stuff you were doing really successfully online. We want you to do it back in the workplace for no obvious reason. They just feel that it would be better if I was in person, just based on a hunch. So... I guess where this all came from was this, um, you know, this real desire to make sure that we just don't kind of slip back to how it was before, because that's really easy to do that, right? And suddenly we've got people saying, let's just get back to how it was before and let's, you know, um, let's kind of, you know, not make best use of this amazing opportunity that we've got to really do things differently. So that's kind of where we, we started with this and why we wanted to, to talk today about all of this. So a load of stuff we can share with you, but that's kind of where, where we're coming from. Um, and, and I know, B, you, you've been doing some reading around the kind of the, um, the, the, the whole back to work, back to the office piece for a kind of more wider societal community um, viewpoint, haven't you? So any thoughts you want to share with, uh, with the network on that? Yeah, thank you. I think my thoughts are all questions rather than thoughts. Um, I was really, I really loved an article that um, Sarah Connor wrote in the FT called The End of the Pret Economy or The End of the Pret City. Um, and she really talks about, you know, the end of the pressure cooker cities that this model doesn't work. Um, and this, again, this move to, um, you know, are we in a stage now as, a, you know, the quote from the beginning on like paradigm shift. So rather than taking people to the work, the work is going to go to the people. And actually, what does that, what does that mean for cities? What does it mean for neighborhoods? What does it mean for people? So, so many interesting questions. There's this idea of, um, I love this image, somebody talks about, um, the polo effect of the possibility of the hollowing out of cities as people stop going into cities for work, but they work much more around the, the outskirts of cities and local neighbourhoods and the suburbs and so on. So I just thought that was a really, for me, it's a really visceral image of the polo effect of the hollowing out of cities. Mm -hmm. And then the impact on neighbourhoods, there's a lot of talk about creating more local hubs for people to go to. So there's been an awful lot of work over the years about the benefits of proximity for working. And there's a quite a lot of that in the Culture Code, Dan Coyle's Culture Code book. There's also quite a lot of critics, criticism of that work that it's outdated, but 
discuss, uh, you know, it's an interesting point about productivity and proximity, but to counteract that isolation effect of people working from home, there's a big conversation around creating hubs in local neighbourhoods. So what does that mean for our experience of work? What does that mean for our experience of our community, etc.? So that's, for me, is a really interesting question. What does it mean, yeah, for the local economy? If, if, if the preps are dying off in, in big cities, are we going to get more outside coffee shops, supplies, whatever it may be in, in our, in our neighbourhoods? I don't know, it's an interesting question. Is there an eco-benefit of more people working from home? Apparently not, but that's an interesting thing to explore as well. Um, so as I said, I don't have the answer to these questions. These are just all things that I find really, really interesting and I think warrants a lot of attention. So as us as sort of people people, if you like, I think it's, it warrants us having a bigger economic and sort of community perspective on what the changing nature of work means both where work moves to and out and then our sort of interrelationship between our local community and the work so i think there's just it's just such fascinating rich territory for for discussing and exploring that i think people people should be interested in mm. Mm. thanks for that um just before I come to you, just well, well I'll ask Justin for his comments in a sec, but I'd be really interested to hear from you if, if, you know, if you're experiencing this kind of like, no, we're going to do things differently, let's create something really great here, versus actually, no, come on, time to get back to the office, let's forget all the lessons we've learned over the past sort of six months and get you all back in. So if you can comment in the chat on that, I'd be really interested to hear what you're either experiencing yourself or if you're you know, on, the, on the kind of consultancy or freelance side, what you're seeing, the people you're working with experiencing. Um, Justin, thoughts from you on that, um, this, this whole piece we're talking about here? Well, I echo, I echo both your comments. Um, I think it's an extraordinarily rich territory for us to explore and uh, it's a conversation that we're beginning today and it's you know we're not going to crack it by 10 to 2 are we um, <laughs> and, and for those of you on the call who aren't aware uh, additionally to the reset show we're developing something that we're loosely calling the reset lab which is a place for people who have a particular interest in investing more time and energy in the conversation um, that runs alongside the reset show. So it's a little bit like the sort of work we're gonna to do today, but it's specifically looking at uh, creating a vision of, of what this could mean for us all, um, both on a micro level, but also as a, as a general on a macro level, because uh, as Belinda said, referred to it, and the quote from Les Back refers to, this is potentially uh, quite a deep change that we're all about to go through or that we are already going through in fact so but um like you said emma and b i'm particularly interested in other people's thoughts so yeah, yeah. Of, we'll hand back over to you emma to pick yeah. up the conversation in the chat no, th thanks for that really appreciate that and i've just noticed that um caroline thank you for your comment um so caroline says in the chat got out to the media and staff to confirm they're embracing hybrid working and they did that in may um if I may, in a sec, if I could come to you, Caroline, and ask you to just talk to us a little bit more about that before we go into the kind of the collaboration piece. I think it'd be really interesting to hear about your experiences, because I think everyone's in kind of slightly different places. So if you don't mind, Caroline, I'll put you on the spot. So, okay, we, we didn't call it hybrid working. We called it smart working, because we, we want it, because for us, it's, it's not about so much just about where you work, but how you work and yeah. what technology you use to work with. So that's why we call it smart. Mm. Um, this is about using technology. We're, we're a legal business, so tech for law isn't quite the most normal thing. And so it's about yeah. adopting tech for law. 
and about work about ways of working being able to work anywhere um but being um maintaining a culture of being a people business so people do come together for some part of the week so it's work, working through that so we've got to get over get around help people understand what that means what that could mean for them and how they can maintain that strength of culture the need to have supervision um, and so on in person and how they can have flexible working hours around that they need to help the business understand they need to help managers where where it's going to be a real challenge help managers manage that um, and feel feel safe giving them the support to do that so that's where we're at at the moment clarifying the working hours thing because no one can really we, we, we've got you know 35 percent capacity in offices to be covid safe and we've only got essential staff in offices you know people who just can't work from home or have, for various mm. reasons everyone else is at home so it's how can we maintain that how can we keep people focused well keep their well-being up look after the culture and help them adopt the flexible working hours mm. while they're at home so so you can pick up your kids from school so that people have got something to sort of work with already it's not just a distant future concept but it's the mm. covid brought made something good happen and this is a benefit to all of us so you now have flexible working options no that's brilliant thank you for sharing that really appreciate it and we might be tapping you up for a blog at some point if you're interested okay so let, let's kind of get to work then so what we want to do is we want to, to we'll use Miro which we're now looking at hopefully you can see that okay we'll break into two groups um, into two different breakout rooms and we'll just start to build a vision of what this future of work could look like by using the post-it note functionality on Miro to drag in different bring in different ideas what you see in the middle of the two boards that we've created this is our three lenses we use to look at employee experience the experience of being an employee and that can be in the broader sense it could be a freelancer or whatever um, and looking at what that might look like from an organizational perspective from the perspective of the work and also from the people that we're working with as well if this is useful use it as a as three lenses to look at the future of work if it's not useful just ignore it and, and feel free to imagine um, as you see fit um, well, come back, one and all. Uh, you haven't lost anyone on the way, which is good. Um, people haven't got lost in the ether. Um, Emma and Belinda, myself and Katie, just being reminded that, uh, first of all, those of you who are in Emma's room won't know what happened in Belinda's room and vice versa, but particularly as well for the uh, thousands of viewers we get on the catch-up recording on YouTube, it would be great to have a brief headline summary from both of you of what came up in the conversation in your rooms. As I would expect from, from you guys, really interesting conversation. So um, just going to pick out a few things that really resonated with me. Um, we talked about this um, this idea of, of creating intentional water cooler moments. So yes, there's not as much opportunity to do that. So you've got to be much more intentional about it. And so that kind of led on to this piece around, you know, your personal mindset and personal accountability for, you know, the stuff that perhaps the organization used to lay on for you and make stuff really easy for you. You've got to kind of step up to the mark and, and kind of take ownership of that. Um, and you know that's that links to to a point that was made around you know don't don't want don't want to miss out on these kind of interesting opportunities, interesting work, and interesting conversations that happen kind of organically when you're all in the same space together. So how do we do that? 
when we're more remote, wherever we're working from, how do we do that? Um, so that, that was really interesting. Um, obviously, you know, this idea of in the future, you know, people want flexibility. We know that all the research shows that, you know, people want to be able to decide when they go to a, a workplace, whatever that looks like, when it works for them, when it's right for them. They want that autonomy to be treated like an adult to be able to manage the work effectively, whatever that might mean. Um, we, we talked about this kind of hub office piece um, where businesses come together um, on, on a more local level. And we talked about, you know, that's something that kind of happens already with, you know, freelancers, consultancies, even small startups. But we're saying, could it ever happen for big corporates? And we're saying, you know, that's a really interesting idea that, you know, what you get from that kind of collaboration of ideas and creativity um, could, could be really kind of transformative. But the downside of that, or the, the flip side of that is, you know, for some businesses, there's a big piece around confidentiality and that would have to be managed pretty carefully. Um, interestingly, I think Joe talked about, um, you know, on a practical level, she's talked about, you know, how, how their organisation have kind of had this phased back to work piece, but with much more flexibility. But she was saying that, you know, you'd be forgiven if you went to the offices thinking that they just moved in because, because of deep cleaning, all the clutter's gone. So they've already changed their mindset around, I sit here, my stuff's here, I need all my papers. And they're already changing their mindset around, actually, I can work much more, you know, I can be much more agile in where I work and how I work because I don't need a load of stuff around me, which I thought was really interesting. So those are kind of the key points, I think, that really resonated with me. There was a whole load of other stuff which we captured here, but those are the, um, the, the points I wanted to share. The B, what about you? Yeah, really thinking about community and connection um and what that could look like so sort of more co co-working spaces and hubs in the community even in people's homes everyone around the kitchen table and then circulate around that and sort of the the the, the all the services that grew up around big office blocks would actually become more decentralized around around these regional hubs of people working um so and when you when you move the childcare and the gyms and the cafes and the and the hairdressers around these co-working spaces it's not just that those services go there obviously all the jobs go there as well those associated jobs so this is, has Im impacts employee experience both of the people doing the sort of the work at the desk but also all the service it, all, the, all the other industries that sort of support that moved locally as well and we had an interesting conversation about um maintaining culture you know what is the sort of when we're all distributed how do we maintain that culture and a similar to your water cooler movements moments it's like when people have got the, the you can't have a okay or shit experience at work and make it, everything okay in the pub after six o'clock with your colleagues it's got to be okay during the during the day so those connection points that human connection that empathy great communication has got to happen throughout the day you can't just make it all right at the pub at the end of the day because at the end of the day everybody's going to the pub with their mates not with their colleagues so there's just it creates an onus on that intentionality and so both having those intentional water cooler moments, but also having managers and leaders and everybody who's just really good at empathic human communication. I thought that was a really interesting point. And I think that question about how do we maintain culture when everybody's remote, I think starting with this visioning exercise of well, what does good culture look like when we're remote and then designing to meet that is such a interesting conversation. I've not seen people have that conversation. I've seen that, how do I maintain our culture? Not what does our new culture need to look like and how do we get there? It's a, it's a slightly different starting point. So for me, and hopefully my team as well, that was a really interesting jumping off point. 
just a brief thought for me. Firstly, thank you all for your contributions. A, a few themes ringing out really clearly to me, and also a link back to something that came up earlier. So this conversation about connection, um, we are all, the four of us are, and, and I imagine lots of you big fans of Brené Brown, and you know, Brené Brown says a lot of amazing things, but one of the things that always sticks with me is she talks about connection being, she just said, that's why we're here on the planet. That's why we exist. We exist to connect with other people. And our ability to connect with other people and have rich relationships with other people is entirely indicative of how happy, satisfied, successful we are, which, you know, we know this stuff. And it struck me listening to both uh, Emma and, and uh, Belinda there that this is a, uh, this is the unique opportunity that we all get to design how that connection happens in a way that we haven't ever before because you know we've been working largely in our institutions both at work and um, and uh, education hospitals to a sort of victorian ideal of you know put people in a building and get them to produce output and how extraordinary that we're going okay maybe that isn't you know we've all known that wasn't necessarily the best way but it i think the challenge for for organizations is going to be how do you have that conversation with people in a way that you get to hear their creativity and their ideas and and what's working for them and how do you build that from from the ground up that's quite an undertaking whilst all the same time actually doing the job that the business is supposed to do i think that's that's really exciting the how do we carry on doing what we need to do and reinvent our our, our way of connecting and, and our way of community as you said is uh, uh belinda and collaboration as well that's my little contribution to the big question i love that i love i love that sort of distilling what we're talking about here really is to how do we want to connect in the future at work because really that is kind of what it's all about isn't it and so many of those points come back to that piece i think that's really exciting um we're pretty much at time actually that went really quickly um hopefully you've you've enjoyed the slightly different take on today um we wanted just to kind of really start to get you involved in the conversation and also you know see these tools in in in, in um in, pro in progress and in process so you get to use them if you haven't done already um justin do you want to just kind of share a few sort of concluding remarks and what we're going to be doing next time uh, back over to you to sort of finish up Oh, well, next time, next time is going to be extremely exciting. Um, I'm going to, this is what's called uh, in facilitation terms, a hospital pass. I'm going to pass the, the ball to Belinda. The reason I'm passing the ball to Belinda is the guest. We have a really exciting special guest on next, uh, not, not next week, the next session, which is in two weeks time. So I'd like to invite Belinda to give us a little teaser trailer of who we've got joining us for the discussion. In two weeks time, we've got Helena Clayton, who right. I first met at Roffey Park, and she's one of the most delightful, warm, incredible people. She's just one of those people when you're in her company, so just something magical rubs off on you and you just feel instantly calmer and like a better person. So she has done some research into love in the workplace and I don't mean relationships between colleagues that are banned by Google or whoever ban relationships with colleagues I'm actually talking about love as a it, it, within leadership um, as a form of connection and the acceptability or otherwise of that and why it is acceptable but do do join because um, it will be discursive in the way that this one is but you'll also just have the most magical experience that you will never forget
I've um, I've put the link in the chat as well for, for signing up to the next show too. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, Emma and Belinda, and thank all of you who've been on the call. Uh, if you are watching this on Catch Up on YouTube, well, that's what you missed. So you should sign up and join in on the next call and be part of the conversation. Uh, the link, as Katie said, is, is in the chat. And I think most of you are already signed up, but um, we look forward to seeing you all again in two weeks' time to talk about love and leadership. And in the meantime, you will receive endless spam from Katie related to all sorts of things, uh, offers on sofas, etc. I'm clearly joking. We will be sending you some select resources to dip into if you feel so inclined. Otherwise, from us all, Thank you, uh, go well, and we'll see you next time.